You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. I'm Aaron Halstead, content manager and editor of PreachingSource.com, in the studio today uh, with Pastor Jason Paredes. Uh, Pastor Paredes is the lead pastor of Fielder Church in Arlington, Texas. He served in that capacity since 2016. He's been married to his wife, Virginia, since 2001, and has six children, five daughters, and one son. Pastor Paredes, it's good to have you in the yeah, studio great today. great to be here with you. All right, well, we're going to be uh, talking about preaching um, and church vision. Uh, so in my, in my reading and, and, and understanding of this, it, it kind of seems like when a pastor is trying to communicate the vision of the church, uh, the, you know, the church's mission uh, has been given us by Christ to fulfill uh, the Great Commission. So uh, in your opinion, is, is there a need for uh, the pastor to contextualize uh, that mission in such a way to fit uh, his particular church and his particular context? And, and if so, how does he go about communicating that vision to his church? Yeah, these actually happen to be two of my favorite things, uh, preaching and vision. And, uh, and it's, I absolutely think they have to come together and be spoken about. So there's, there's no doubt that, uh, that there is a general mission for the entire church. I mean, the Great Commission is stated clearly for us. No one has to make up anything new that we do. But the expression of the church, the way that's lived out in the local body matters immensely. I, there's a reason why God has created so many different local expressions that have so many different nuances to them, because we're trying to reach the world, and there's so many nuances and differences of the world itself. And so I think God has given to each individual church, uh, through the context of its leadership, through uh, whatever that looks like in that local church's context, through the, the pastoral leadership, the lay leadership, a unique vision that they need to live out. And so I, I think that if a, uh, a shepherd is going to do his job well, he's going to seek the Lord. What does it look like in our context? <clears throat> we have different environments. We have different people around that we're trying to reach, different socioeconomic levels, ethnic diversity, uh, age diversity, and all those are part of what the church's mission is. And so there's a lot of uh, studying of the context that goes into um, asking and praying, which is something I hope we talk about some more, uh, and asking the Lord to, to give it to us. And then once the Lord has communicated that vision to us, then we have to broadly communicate it to the church body, which I'll be honest with you, Aaron. There was a, um, I, I was a Southwestern student, uh, graduated from here about 14 years ago, and uh, loved my education. But one of the things that I didn't know how to do when I left was to communicate vision. I knew how to preach the Word, uh, but how do I communicate the vision that God has given our local body? And so there's been a lot of trial and error, a lot of discovery as I've gone through this process, uh, but learning how to communicate vision is one of the most important things. And, and probably, um, I wish someone had taught me this early on, vision is not a statement. Most people think vision is a statement, you got to have a slick statement, everybody's going to get it, but vision is actually a picture of a preferable future. Where is the Lord calling you to go to? What does that destiny look like for you that the Lord has laid out? You don't have to invent your own, He'll reveal it to you, and then but, but how do you communicate that? Well, if it's really a, a picture of a preferable future, then that's a story. That's not a statement. And so I've discovered uh, in my time at leading the church that I have to be able to tell a story. What is it? Who are we in the future? Uh, my, my practice was to write an article describing our church a number of years in the future, and it's telling the story of who we are, what we value, what we strive toward, what we're accomplishing, and that's how I've been able to communicate vision. Uh, so what I've seen in, uh, in leadership discussions, once, um, broadly speaking, in terms of an organization, when um, they have their, their mission and their vision, normally the next thing that gets talked about is what are the values of that organization. So in terms of a, of a church, if what the church values 
um, creates the culture of that church? How does uh, how does the pastor, staff, elders, whoever's involved in making that decision, how do they uh, choose the values that they're going to emphasize in their particular church? You know, I, I think for us as the church, since Christ is the head of the church, the only way we can really articulate values is to look at what did, what did Christ value, and then you apply it to your context. So I, the, the haunting question that I had, the one that was just eating me alive as I was beginning to step into leadership, and, I, and I've been at Fielder for almost 14 years now, started doing Spanish language ministry and missions, and I moved to a bunch of different roles until finally I could find no other place for me, so they just made me the lead pastor of the church. But uh, I, So I got to see it from a, a bunch of different angles. But one of the things that, as I was going through this journey uh, of being there for so long, not in the seat of leadership, um, and, and loving the leadership of our church, but wrestling with them, are we aligned with Jesus? And, and the, the haunting question I had is, am I celebrating as a church, are we celebrating what Jesus celebrated, and are we weeping over what Jesus wept over? Or could we be celebrating things that he could care less about? Now, look, we got a packed out room, but all we've done is stolen people from smaller churches and brought them to our church, and I... I don't think he, he celebrates that. I think he weeps over that. And is he weeping over stuff that we're oblivious to? You know, are, are there children in dire need to be told you value, you're, you're, you matter? Are there people dying and going to hell in hospitals and no one's going to tell them the good news of Jesus? Is there suffering and brokenness in our city that we're, doing, that we're blind to? Because I think Jesus is weeping over that. And so we as a leadership team had to come back and say, okay, what, what does Jesus celebrate? What does he weep over? And are we aligned with him? If he were to come be the next pastor of this church, would he keep on doing what we're doing, or would he have to wholesale shift it? And so as we began to question that, read the Gospels, fast and pray and seek the Lord, he began to lift up for us what those values needed to be to be in alignment with who he is in our context. And so that's how we tried to formulate for us what our values would be. Okay, so uh, in helping and formulating in those values, uh, would you consider preaching, whether that's just generally speaking preaching, or maybe um, a particular kind or a particular methodology of preaching, would you, would you consider preaching um, to be something that should be listed as one of, one of the values of a local church? It's not listed in our church as one of the values of it, although it's inherent in every single bit of it. So if you think about um, every single story of a vision for the future has to be encapsulated at some point in a statement. Just one has to drive the other. Too many people try to start with a statement instead of telling the story. But when you've told a story, you need to be able to encapsulate. And we have one of those statements. We inhale and exhale the gospel and make disciples who do the same. And it's really just taking the great commandment, the great commission, and shoving them together. Uh, we inhale the gospel. It means we, we believe the gospel. Uh, and that means the gospel has to be preached. The gospel has to be proclaimed if we're going to believe it and take it into who we are. And so core to the very fabric of our identity, and it drives in every single one of ours, is the proclamation of the gospel through the preaching of his word. And it, it's, it's adjusted the way we preach. We talk about this often uh, from beginning to end. Every, every page of the scriptures is ultimately the story of Jesus. It is the story of the gospel, whether that's the book of Genesis, the book of Joel, or, or any other book of the Bible. And so uh, it's, it's stated in the context of gospel proclamation, not just preaching uh, as such, but it, it actually infuses every single element of our vision. Okay, uh, so uh, what's the best way for a preacher, specifically a preacher who's committed to um, expository preaching, um, how does he go about communicating uh, consistently the values or, or mission and vision of the church without abandoning that, uh, that commitment to expository preaching? Yeah, you know, I, I, this is what I love about uh, the right approach to vision. If, if you've really begun not with your context, but with Christ, 
and let your understanding of who Christ is, that whole idea of celebrating what he celebrates, weeping over what he weeps over, and then applying that to your context, then you won't have any problem speaking to these issues in Scripture because they're repeated over and over and over and over again. So we have in our church, as we've really looked to uh, emulate the person of Jesus and the very values that we maintain, and ours, the way it works out, we, we create a bunch of what we call vision goals. There are 14 of them that stem from the story of what we strive toward. Um, every bit of these flow from the gospel of Jesus, and if every single passage of the Bible ultimately points to the gospel of Jesus, then in any particular passage, you not can only proclaim the gospel of Jesus, but you can tell how you apply it in the context of this vision. And so um, we never have to do, well, rarely, every once in a while we'll do a, a vision-centric moment to remind the church of the need for gospel centrality and how that's supposed to be lived out. But generally speaking, we do books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and when we do so, the vision just oozes out of it because it's born from this main idea of the Scriptures. But we're intentional. I mean, I, I measure, are there moments when I've been clear to articulate the, the vision application points of this gospel message, and I want to make sure that I'm, I'm very precise in it. Uh, I have a, a certain percent I want to hit every time that I'm not to be legalistic about it, but just to bring it to the forefront of my mind, I am constantly... Because I, I could preach a generic message and forget to apply it specifically to who we are, so this reminds me to do that. But if I'm really aligned with Jesus, then it shouldn't be hard to be able to find ways to apply it if I just remember to do so. Okay. So you've talked about this some, uh, but what kind of uh, what I'm gathering is that once a church has this this vision, um, this mission, these values set in place, those... Um, come across and, and, and turn into somewhat parameters on how this is the types of ministries that we're going to be doing uh, specifically. So, so how does a pastor or, or, or staff um, help translate uh, that vision or that, um, those set of values into um, those parameters, maybe standards, that, that then explain or communicate to the church that these are the types of ministries that we're going to be involved in? Yeah, and that's, that's really where the rubber hits the road is uh, it's it's easy to communicate a vision when no one knows the cost of that vision. You know, it's, hey, we're going to charge hell with water pistols, and we're going to change the world, and everybody's going to jump up and shout, hallelujah, yeah, let's do it, until, wait, you're taking away what? Uh, my children's choir? You're taking away this, and I'm not going to have that? And Whoa, whoa, whoa slow down here. Uh, what are you doing? So, I mean, the real cost of it is when when you, because to say yes to certain elements of vision, you're going to say no to a, a whole host of other things. And that's when it gets hard. Uh, and so for us as a church, th these are the most complicated leadership moments. When you're trying to lead a congregation to see that there's more than what they've settled for. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, this kind of thing doesn't happen without prayer and fasting. Uh, and this has actually been central to what the Lord has allowed us to do at our church. Uh, maybe it was desperation that allowed us to stumble onto this. I'm not really sure where it was born from, probably desperation. But uh, I had the first time where I was starting to step into the leadership of the church, and I knew... Like, I. I'm not skilled enough. I'm in my first pastorate as a church of thousands. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to lead people much wiser, more experienced, mature, whatever than I am. And I, I realized, God, unless you, your spirit moves, I'm, I'm sunk. I, I can't help the people accept the parameters this vision puts around us unless you move spirit. So we actually began, uh, the first time we went as a leadership team, we went out to the middle of summertime up to Colorado, the mountains where it was a little bit cooler, and we just, for three days, fasted and prayed and sought the Lord and said, we're, we're just going to read the Gospels, we're going to align ourselves with you, and we're going to try to make sure that we walk out of here knowing who you are, Jesus. And when we came back and our church knew that we had been praying and fasting over them, over the direction and the vision of the church, 
uh, it was amazing the amount of uh, leadership credit they gave us. I don't know if I like the decisions you're making, but I know you've been with Jesus. And if you've been with Jesus, I'm, I'm willing to follow you. Uh, and people are remarkable in, in the respect they'll give leadership if they think this person is actually in tune with Jesus, is walking according to the Spirit. And so um, the vision absolutely gives parameters that we have to walk around, because there are, uh, in our vision, you know, we, it's, a, it's an inhale of the gospel, so deep belief of the gospel, so there's a lot of discipleship tools, there's, uh, there's a very, it's a one-on-three type of model where you're really breathing in the gospel constantly, but there's a whole lot of exhale of the gospel, which is mission, which means we're adopting children, we're mentoring kids, we're serving out in the community. We take uh, two times a year, we're, on Sunday morning, instead of gathering to worship, we worship out in service to the community. We just did it this last week. These are hard things to, for a church body to accept, but if this is the vision, then these parameters are set by what the Lord has called us to, and the, the fact that we consistently get away and fast and pray and call the body to join us in fasting and praying has allowed them to say, all right, it's uncomfortable, it's hard, it's risky, it's uh, painful sometimes, but this, I see Jesus in this, and so I'm ready to do it. And so that, that's allowed us to live out in leadership, these parameters the Lord has set up because of the vision He's given us. Do you use that same kind of process if you, if, uh, you or your staff start to notice that a, a, a ministry may be veering off um, the vision or the other values of the church, and then, and then of course, correct it back onto it? You know, here's, here's the, the uh, by far the best part about fasting and praying together. So at the end of this month, our staff will get away. There's going to be about 43 or 44 of us that are going to go to Riverbend Retreat Center, and we're going to fast and we're going to pray for three days and it's our pastoral staff and our director staff, and we're going to seek the Lord together. And I'm amazed, uh, and I shouldn't be amazed, but I'm amazed how the Lord aligns people, and I don't have to do it, because they're hearing from the same Spirit. And we, we have one tuning fork, and we're all tuning ourselves to Him. And so, uh, so there are so many times when a ministry has been deviating, and we get away, and we fast, and we pray, and they come to me saying, hey, we've been deviating. I need to get back. And I promise you, it is a thousand times more effective when the Spirit tells them than when I tell them. And so uh, my job has been to press them toward communion with Christ, press them toward growing in their own faith, and they self-discover more often than not. Mm-hmm. So um, as you've sought to do this and, and implement this um, at Fielder Church, what would you say would be uh, maybe the number one lesson that you've learned in, in terms of leadership that you think would be beneficial uh, for our audience of pastors listening to this? I, I think leadership is um, it is in exercise in discovering and trying to blow up every insecurity you have. Leadership is uh, the most exposing thing I've ever been a part of, because everything I'm not good at becomes uh, readily visible to the people around me. That's staff, that's congregation, that's uh, other people around. It's just a, a, a bullseye to look at all my frailties and brokenness, and that's not a bad thing. And that's what I want to tell anybody who's, who's walking into leadership or, or what they need to keep in mind. You never celebrate the crucifixion of Jesus more than when you know how little you deserve it. You never long for the power of the resurrection more than when you're desperate for his power. And nothing makes you know how little you deserve his, his crucifixion and how desperate you are for his power like being inadequate for the calling that you've been given. And I think some people run from that. They're afraid of that. I don't want to admit that I'm, I'm not good enough. I don't want to admit I'm not a good enough preacher. I'm not smart enough. I, I can't woo people enough. Or I can't make the best decisions. Uh, we're afraid of those inadequacies. But, I mean, it, 
Paul wasn't lying in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Uh, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And I think leadership is an exercise of weakness, and it's supposed to be so, so that Christ's power can rest upon us. And so I'd, I'd say to anybody who's listening who is struggling with a sense of inadequacy or weakness or insecurity, that's okay as long as you turn to Christ, because that's when his power is going to be the strongest in you. And your greatest leadership moment will be in your weakest that you are in yourself. So instead of hiding it, bring it forth, bring it to the feet of Jesus, and watch Jesus do what only he can do. Well, that's, um, that's a good word, I think, for, well, for me. Um, <laughs> number one, I hope it's a benefit to our listeners as well, and I, and I think it will. Uh, our guest today has been uh, Pastor Jason Paredes, uh, pastor of Fielder Church in Arlington, Tex- in Arlington Texas. Uh, pastor Paredes, it's been a pleasure to have you in the studio hey, with it's us. It's been my joy.